0: Rusty Quill Presents. Hello, this is IMS, the author of the program audio series. Today, I wish to present three pieces of audio fiction I personally hold in the highest regard. They are all different from each other, but they all share some common traits, such as being entertaining, thought-provoking, and philosophically intriguing or socially engaged. Because of this, I think you will enjoy them as well. They should also provide you with something to listen to as you patiently wait for more episodes of the program. So here they are, three shows I handpicked for your consideration. The first is entitled, Modes of Thought in Antarian Literature. Presented in the form of a university lecture, it's an academic exploration of a recently discovered ancient human civilization. Complicating matters is the fact it predates the previously known civilizations for more than 65,000 years and basically appends the understanding of human history. The backstory created for the show is fascinating and one of the best examples of cryptoarchaeology I encountered. The author of the show is also the main character, and his portrayal of a university professor is superbly naturalistic. And if you're careful enough, you just might recognize him in an episode of the program soon. So please enjoy the sample from Modes of Thought in Anterran Literature.
1: Hit that next slide. Okay, now the long walkers. The idea was the long walkers were meant to be explorers. They acted for society, if you think about it, like a beehive or an ant colony, the long walkers would go out, locate resources, trading partners, new technologies, and then return to Antero with this advanced knowledge. kind of reminds me of the period in Japan after the Meiji when they decided to at last modernize and they sent out students to every country they could and brought back the learning from that, those institutions. Um, Using that strategy as well as bringing in foreign advisors, the Japanese managed to catch up to the rest of the world going from a feudal warlord system to a industrial economy in about 50 years. It was unheard of. The early Chinese also had moments of exploration in the Han Dynasty uh, and also in the Ming Dynasty treasure voyages and of course the West, you know, they had their go at exploration. Um, Another topic that we don't have room to go into, of course, but the legacy of colonialism is all around us and uh, something worthy of extensive study. Okay, back to Antera. It seems that at approximately 67,000 BCE, a group of long walkers came back to Dark City and indicated that there was a tribe that was coalescing around a site which we now know as Prime B. At first they called these people the Tall Ones. Like previous tribes, the Tall Ones were welcomed into the city and they intermingled in different roles of interning society. They joined different castes. But unlike previous tribes and despite their integration, the Tall Ones which are later referred to as the feelers, became a source of derision and scorn. Chris, can you hit the next slide? Thanks. Okay, this wall is outside the entrance to the internment camps. We don't have a complete translation yet, um, which is frustrating. Uh, I've been fumbling through it with a few colleagues online. The University of Beijing has been strangely silent on this particular area of study in Antera. So, you know, draw whatever conclusions from that you want. But be aware, we're we're in speculation mode, right? Because we just don't know. This graffiti was some punk's version of basically a tweet, a social media post for the ancients. But here's what we do know: the crude image of a vessel, here it's called a feeler, over-exaggerates the figure's height, and an inscription underneath reads, Insect, with an even larger foot coming down to stomp it out. What it was that prompted the change in the moniker from tall ones and vessels to feelers or why, we don't know we haven't found any carvings that explain that transition. But these feelers who were previously integrated into an society, right, all of a sudden are separated out. All these societal shifts we just discussed are coincident with the discovery of early prime B and the tall ones, AKA the feelers. So they started imprisoning members of this specific population after performing a modified version of the Matoka Ritual. And this ritual sealed the Tall Ones' slash the Feelers' fate as permanent prisoners in this sealed catacomb in Dark City. Next slide. What we can glean from this wall is that at first, the prison, uh, they used the word for stable, like where you keep horses, right? At first, this was for... Friends who are vessels. So we think this means at first they were putting their own citizens in these prisons. Yeah? And in case there was any doubt about the relationship between the Matoka ritual and the vessels, we have this. Slide. Okay, these handprints were made with some kind of acid. So they literally dissolved the stone walls. If you look closely nine fingers. The fourth finger of the left hand is removed in every single case. I'm speculating here, but based on what we know about handprints and prehistoric cave sites, there's Chauvet, Liang Timpasung, and of course Cueva de los Manos in Santa Cruz, we have to wonder if these weren't signatures. A way of saying, I was here. I matter. Don't forget me. Raquel?
2: Raquel? You're back. Go away, Hyron. You're a fucking liar. You know she's a spy, right?
1: What? Hyron's been picking up your slack since you disappeared, okay? She's not a spy.
2: Okay, you know what? I know that sounds insane, but I... I found Professor Chen. What? She's alive. Yeah, and I, I think she might be CAA, but that's all speculation anyway. She's not dead, and she
0: told me that...
1: Whoa, well, Raquel. Can we all calm down? You sound manic. You disappeared for a month and a half. You flew halfway around the world, and apparently you broke into Dr. Chen's office. Yes, I heard about that.
2: She told me where your wife is.
3: June?
2: Yeah, and there's a lot more, but someone might be listening right now, honestly, and I'm definitely being followed, so come on, just come with me, let's find a place that isn't bugged. Raquel! I'm not a spy. I'm worried about you. You're not acting rationally. Shut up! Seriously, just shut up right now. Okay, you guys, your left arm's have been hurting, right? Yo, what? the? F- how?
1: How did you know?
2: You see this cast? I broke my arm on purpose to test out a theory, okay? But Hirong didn't feel it. That's when I knew. But I wasn't sure until I talked to Professor Chen. You're sure about what, Raquel? And Tara's secret—the Matoka ritual.
1: Okay, everyone, get out right now. Out! Now, Raquel, put that down. What the hell are you doing?
3: What are you going to do with that knife? We're going to do a little experiment
2: right now. I'm going to cut myself. Okay, all right, that's it. I'm calling 911. She's going to hurt herself. Just chill out, Chris. It's fine. I'm just going to cut my hand a little bit.
0: Don't do this. Raquel, you
2: need mental help. I'm going to cut my hand, and you're all going to feel it. Well, maybe not you, hi. but the rest of us will feel it together. What the f- What are you talking about? Ow! How? What? There's no
1: way. Raquel, how?
2: See? I told you. I fucking
3: told you.
0: That was Modes of Thought in Anterran Literature. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at their official website, modesofthoughtpodcast.com. The next show I want to tell you about is called Wireland Ranch, a self-described psychedelic cosmic horror audio drama. It's one of those works of art that if you like it, you really like it, and there's indeed lots to like. For starters, there's rich lore the authors came up with that spans multiple millennia. Add a phantasmagorical atmosphere achieved through top-notch narration and some truly immersive sound design, and you get an audio equivalent to works of David Lynch, Gaspar Noe, and Alejandro Hodorowski. The show is also very much attuned to contemporary social issues so check out the following clip from Wireland Ranch
2: Wireland Ranch hi friends it's so nice to be with you all again welcome back to Wireland where the sigils speak and the gods those that aren't locked in the basement anyway roam free and wait for their time to ascend, but unfortunately, friends, I I do not come with good tidings. After all, I I rarely do, and my version of our world, the story I'm about to tell happened ages ago, but as we all know, as we've said before, time is a flat circle, so it may as well have happened yesterday. By my estimate, as much as I am able to look into the past through the Mojave Logistics chronovisor, you were hearing this sometime around mid- 2023. You may be looking around at the world you inhabit at the place you call home and notice that it feels foreign. Changing in insurmountable ways day after day you see the city of Atlanta building a cop supercenter with 60 million dollars of taxpayer funds which will be used to wage urban warfare against those very same taxpayers you see several Nazis leading a dementia patient in the polls for your upcoming presidential race. You see smoke filling up your cities and the price of eggs increased by 700% due to...
0: Inflation.
2: You see a news article stating that egg producers increase their profits by 700%. You see landlords charging four times the rent on their 600 properties and Capital One is telling you to stop eating out despite being well aware that your money bailed them out of a series of exceedingly idiotic and greedy business decisions. You see the world in which you were taught you can get ahead with hard work and dedication sold off to the same six people at wholesale prices and you can't even afford a movie ticket anymore. Your escapes have become unaffordable and your jobs have become your life. And I hate to tell you this, friends, but This does not get any better. As a matter of fact, it just keeps getting worse. So you look around and see these things and begin to wonder what happened. How did things become so wrong? Friends, today, I come to you to answer that question. So let's take a trip back down to Wireland, shall we? Just round the bend, you and me. And listen to the sigils swell and speak. Swell and speak. Squeal and creak.
3: What do
2: you want? Do you commiserate? We have put so much boundless effort into ensuring our goals, and he is fighting back. He is fighting back with that fucking challenge Hi! Shut the fuck up, he was supposed to be alone, to be isolated, to be unfucking fucking loved but here we are, seeking ways to throw his family from our trail like common fucking criminals among Brother, brother won't stop crying and whining about being loved. Everything is falling apart. Nothing is falling apart. You, this is your fucking fault. If I didn't know any better, I'd think you were trying to trick me. Quiet. Let me tell you a story. Failure does not exist here, aside from what stands before me. We find ourselves in a room of Stygian void and translucent lilac tendrils seeping through primordial black holes that seem to complete their life cycles in seconds dying star to singularity to nothing cause as we all know friends everything has to end billions of years condensed to the length of a breath within your lungs amidst the microcosms of the whole of existence a large creature sits on a throne of condensed galactic pillars spectral shades shimmer and sparkle but the thing sitting on that throne exists In direct conflict with that beautiful scene, pale, sickly flesh sways with its every move like waves drifting upon a sallow ocean. Tapeworm veins throb underneath just below the surface, each breath the thing takes requires immense effort, sheer labor causing the mass of bulbous skin to swell and heave, and if this room had floors or walls or anything that you and I would recognize as a room, they would quake with each and every expiration. This tumor-dappled parody of a human body seems to have a symbiotic relationship to the fast-forward black holes, its flesh sucked into the event horizons and then back into the mass in a cycle of perpetual regeneration and destruction. The thing waves a swollen hand before itself as malfastus, our own personal big red dog cowers, head bowed, A thousand mouths close, tight, nary, a teeth bared, and friends. This is unusual. From the palm of the waved hand, black dust falls, swallowed by three black holes in a triangular orientation. The holes swell, sucking the light from around them unto themselves and merging into one, the edges of the triangle forming and folding outward into a sharp, matte pyramid. There's a loud plank of metal on a rock surface as a shell forms beneath and attracts the pyramid like a magnet. Dear brother, there's no need to cower, so calm. and lower the hair rising along your spine, tiny fractured thing that it is. How do you feel when those instincts force you to accept your inferiority i assume animalistic and that must conflict yes the tip of the pyramid slides aside and the dust it used to create itself rises from the inside and shimmies and shakes out into a perfect sphere runes shifting perpetually along its rim yes friends It appears we have another sigil and all of
0: you know what that means. We are headed into history. That was Wire and Ranch. Find it at wirelandranch.com. The final show I want to avert your attention to is called Gospels of the Flood. Having listened to it, I realized I actually consumed its author's work before, a video game that he wrote the story for called The Talos Principle. That game's philosophical themes are plainly apparent in Gospels of the Flood, which I would describe as meditations on life in a dying world. Everything about it is stellar. It sports beautiful writing, excellent acting, and absolutely marvelous music. Here's a snippet from episode one.
3: out of the church, down the road, past the tanks and police vans, past the beggars and the protesters, and I just kept going until I reached the sea. People had assembled to watch the harbour sink, and the waves were enormous, terrifying, incomprehensible in their sheer power. Cliffs on the eastern side of the harbour looked like they might collapse and the buildings had been evacuated. But someone was standing at the top of the lighthouse. When I arrived, one of the onlookers recognised me and a police officer spoke to me. He said the man in the lighthouse was someone I knew, a fellow priest called Thomas. Thomas. Would I be willing to try and convince him to come down before the whole thing fell into the sea? I agreed to do it. Losing my faith had not changed my moral principles, although it had robbed me of the words to properly express them. The policeman gave me a megaphone, (laughs) but shouting at Thomas wasn't going to help, so I, I went up to the lighthouse myself. I thought about Thomas as I walked up the empty road, covering my face to avoid being blinded by the constant spray from the waves. Thomas had a different kind of faith than mine, one that I both admired and felt unsettled by. He'd grown up in a deeply religious environment, one in which the existence of God was taken as a given. and More than that, one in which faith was part of every common activity, discussed and celebrated openly and socially. That gave him a lightness, a levity almost, born of absolute certainty. Sometimes I envied how simple and clear the world felt to him, how easy that made it for him to be kind, to be selfless. But then sometimes, I thought that if you were born into the faith, you never really come to God, do you? You're just told all the answers without having to look for them yourself. And is that still faith? Or is it just culture? I reached the lighthouse, I was numb, but I did feel a dull, insistent fear, a sort of primal response to the sound of the crashing waves. My body was a machine built by millions of years of evolution and it instinctively knew that the sea was life and death incarnate. Thomas was looking out at the horizon. He greeted me absently, and in that moment I knew that there was very little I could do. Then he surprised me by asking me whether I remembered a plane crash. It had happened several years ago. A plane had been struck by lightning and disintegrated over the ocean. 312 people were killed. But then the news reported that one family, two parents and two children, were saved from the disaster. They started feeling sick at the airport and decided to postpone their flight. People came to him, Thomas said, and they told him, it's a miracle. God intervened, God wanted them to live. And Thomas asked himself Why didn't God want all those other people to live too? But he nodded and said Yes, the Lord works in mysterious ways After all, it did feel so specific, intentional Like a hand had reached out and stopped them just in time Then a week later, that entire family was killed in a car crash. Thomas couldn't stop thinking about the moment of the crash, he said. Metal pressing into flesh until it ripped. The children's bones breaking. How much did they suffer? When the car came to a halt, when they were lying there, bleeding out... they think but God saved me why is this happening to me or was it all too fast just an explosion of agony and fear followed by darkness this time no one came to tell him it was a miracle but if it was easy to believe that the hand of God had protected those people then what now This second event was even more unlikely, even more specific. The intent was clear. God had wanted them to die. He just missed the first time. In fact, Thomas said, getting up on the railing, why do we keep talking about God saving people? The one thing we share with every living being is death the whole world is designed to give birth to creature after creature billions and trillions of us and the only thing that's certain is that we are all going to die maybe he said god just really likes to kill
0: That was Gospels of the Flood, which you can also search for in any podcasting app or online at gospelsoftheflood.com. Remember, you'll find full titles and links of all three shows in this episode's show notes. This wraps up this mini showcase episode. I wish to extend my thanks to all the audio fiction creators who make stories for us. And a big thanks to narrationbox.com for the voice synthesis software I used in making of this showcase. Regular episodes of the program will resume in 2024.